Section six of Anecdotes of Dogs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Anecdotes of Dogs by Edward Jesse. The Irish and Highland Wolf Dog, Part two. One great obstacle in the way of investigating the history of this dog has arisen from the different appellations given to it according to the fancy of the natives in different parts of the country, such as Irish Wolf-dog, Irish Greyhound, Highland Deerhound, and Scotch Greyhound. And this circumstance may have produced the confusion in fixing its identity. In the fourth century, a number of dogs of a great size were sent in iron cages from Ireland to Rome, and it is not improbable that the dogs so sent were greyhounds, particularly as we learn from the authority of Evelyn and others that the Irish wolf-dog was used for the fights of the bear-garden. Greyhound probably means a great hound. Hollinshead, in his description of Ireland and the Irish, written in 1586, has the following notice. They are not without wolves and greyhounds to hunt them, bigger of bone and limb than a colt, and in the frontispiece to Sir James Ware's History of Ireland, an allegorical representation is given of a passage from the Venerable Bede, in which two dogs are introduced bearing a strong resemblance to that given by Gessner, in his history of quadrupeds published in fifteen sixty the term irish is applied to highland dogs as everything celtic not excepting the language was designated in england probably in consequence of ireland being at that period better known to the english than scotland this is perhaps a proof of the similarity of the irish and scotch deerhounds of the courage of the ancient deerhound there can be little doubt from the nature of the game for which he was used if any proof were wanting an incident mentioned by evelyn in his diary in sixteen seventy when present at a bullfight in the bear garden is conclusive he says the bulls meaning the bulldogs did exceeding well but the irish wolf-dog exceeded which was a tall greyhound a stately creature indeed who beat a cruel mastiff here perhaps is a proof that the irish wolf-dog was a greyhound and there can be little doubt that it is the same dog we find mentioned under the name of the irish greyhound buffon remarks that the irish greyhounds are of a very ancient race they were called by the ancients dogs of epirus and albanian dogs Pliny gives an account of a combat between one of these dogs, first with a lion, and then with an elephant. In France they are so rare that I never saw above one of them, which appeared when sitting to be about five feet high. He was totally white, and of a mild and peaceful disposition. The following description of these dogs, translated from a Celtic poem, is probably an accurate one. An eye of slow with ear not low, with horse's breast, with depth of chest, with breadth of loin, and curve in groin, and nape set far behind the head, such were the dogs that Fingal bred. It is probable that even in Scotland very few of the pure breed of dogs are left, 
but those which are show a surprising combination of speed strength size endurance courage sagacity docility and it may be added dignity the purest specimens of the deerhound now to be met with are supposed to be those belonging to captain mcneil of colonsay two of them being called buscar and bran and here let me give an extract from an interesting and graphic account published by mr scrope of the performance of these dogs in the chase of a stag let us fancy a party assembled overnight in a highland glen consisting of sportsmen deer-stalkers a piper and two deer-hounds cooking their supper and concluding it with the never-failing accompaniment of whisky toddy let us fancy them reposing on a couch of dried fern and heather and being awoke in the morning with the lively air of hey johnny cope while their breakfast is preparing they wash and refresh themselves at a pure mountain stream and are soon ready to issue forth with buscar and bran the party proceeds up a rocky glen where the stalker sees a stag about a mile off he immediately prostrates himself on the ground and in a second the rest follow his example we will not follow all the different manoeuvres of the deer-stalker and his followers but bring them at once near the unconscious stag after performing a very considerable circuit moving sometimes forwards and sometimes backwards the party at length arrive at the back of a hillock on the opposite side of which the stalker said in a whisper the deer was lying and that he was not distant a hundred yards the whole party immediately moved forward in silent and breathless expectation with the dogs in front straining in the slips on reaching the top of the hillock a full view of the noble stag presented itself who having heard the footsteps had sprung on his legs and was staring at his enemies at the distance of about sixty yards the dogs were slipped a general halloo burst from us all and the stag wheeling around set off at full speed with buscar and bran straining after him the brown figure of the deer with his noble antlers laid back contrasted with the light colour of the dog stretching along the dark heath presented one of the most exciting scenes that it is possible to imagine the deer's first attempt was to gain some rising ground to the left of the spot where we stood and rather behind us but being closely pursued by the dogs he soon found that his only safety was in speed and as a deer does not run well uphill nor like a roe straight downhill on the dogs approaching him he turned and almost retraced his footsteps taking however a steeper line of descent than the one by which he ascended here the chase became more interesting the dogs pressed him hard and the deer getting confused found himself suddenly on the brink of a small precipice of about fourteen feet in height from the bottom of which there sloped a rugged mass of stones he paused for a moment as if afraid to take the leap but the dogs were so close that he had no alternative at this time the party were not above one hundred and fifty yards distant and most anxiously awaited the result fearing from the ruggedness of the ground below that the deer would not survive the leap they were however soon relieved from their anxiety for though he took the leap he did so more cunningly than gallantly dropping himself in the most singular manner so that his hind legs first reached the broken rocks below nor were the dogs long in following him buscar sprang first and extraordinary to relate did not lose his legs 
Bran followed, and on reaching the ground performed a complete somersault. He soon, however, recovered his legs, and the chase was continued in an oblique direction down the side of a most rugged and rocky bray, the deer apparently more fresh and nimble than ever, jumping through the rocks like a goat, and the dogs well up, though occasionally receiving the most fearful falls. From the high position in which we were placed, the chase was visible for nearly half a mile. When some rising ground intercepted our view, we made with all speed for a higher point, and, on reaching it, we could perceive that the dogs, having got upon smooth ground, had gained on the deer, who were still going at speed, and were close up with him. Bran was then leading, and in a few seconds was at his heels, and immediately seized his hock with such violence of grasp as seemed in a great measure to paralyse the limb, for the deer's speed was immediately checked. Buscar was not far behind, for soon afterwards, passing Bran, he seized the deer by the neck. Notwithstanding the weight of the two dogs which were hanging to him, having the assistance of the slope of the ground, he continued dragging them along at a most extraordinary rate, in defiance of their utmost exertions to detain him, and succeeded more than once in kicking Bran off, but he became at length exhausted. The dogs succeeded in pulling him down, and though he made several attempts to rise, he never completely regained his legs. On coming up we found him perfectly dead, with the joints of both his forelegs dislocated at the knees, his throat perforated, and his chest and flanks much lacerated. As the ground was perfectly smooth for a considerable distance round the place where he fell, and not in any degree swampy, it is difficult to account for the dislocation of his knees, unless it happened during his struggles to rise. Buscar was perfectly exhausted, and had lain down, shaking from head to foot much like a broken-down horse. But on our approaching the deer he rose, walked round him with a determined growl, and would scarcely permit us to get near him. He had not, however, received any cut or injury, while Bran showed several bruises, nearly a square inch having been taken off the front of his foreleg, so that the bone was visible and a piece of burnt heather had passed quite through his foot. Nothing could exceed the determined courage displayed by both dogs, particularly by Buscar, throughout the chase, and especially in preserving his hold, though dragged by the deer in a most violent manner. It is hoped that this account of the high spirit and perseverance of the Scotch deerhound will not be found uninteresting. This noble creature was the pride and companion of our ancestors, and for a long period in the history of this country, particularly in Ireland, the only dog used in the sports of the field. When we consider the great courage, combined with the most perfect gentleness of this animal, his gigantic, picturesque and graceful form, it must be a subject of regret that the breed is likely to become extinct. Where shall we find dogs possessing such a combination of fine and noble qualities? The following anecdote, which with the accompanying fine engraving, is taken from the New Sporting Magazine for January 1839, presents a striking example of the same kind. The incident which the artist has made the subject for our embellishment occurred with Lord Ossulton's staghounds on Tuesday, the 1st of May when the stag, after a fast run of an hour, jumped over a precipice and broke his neck. 
the hounds were at this time close to his haunches and a couple and a half of the leading dogs went over with the stag two of the hounds were so hurt that they could not move and the third was found by the green coat first up lying on the dead deer i am indebted to that clever and intelligent authoress mrs s carter hall for her recollections of an irish wolf-dog and his master which i cannot do better than give in her own words when i was a child i had a very close friendship with a genuine old wolf-dog bruno by name he was the property of an old friend of my grandmother's who claimed descent from the irish kings his name was o'toole his manners were the most courtly you can imagine as they might well be for he had spent much time and fortune at the french court when marie antoinette was in her prime and beauty his visits were my jubilee there was the kind dignified old gentleman who told me tales there was his tall gaunt dog grey with age and yet with me full of play and there were two rough terriers whom bruno kept in admirable order he managed the little one by simply placing his paw upon it when it was too frisky but vixen the large one like many ladies had a will of her own and entertained some idea of being mistress bruno would bear a good deal from her giving however now and then a low deep growl but when provoked too much he would quietly lift the dog off the ground by the strength of his jaws his teeth were gone stand with her in his mouth at the doors until they were opened and then deposit her half strangled as she was in a nettle bed some distance from the house the dog's discrimination was curious if vixen was thrown upon him or if we forced her to insult him he never punished her but if she on her own accord teased him more than his patience could bear the punishment was certain to follow o'toole and his dogs always occupied the same room the terriers being on the bed with their master no entreaty however ever induced bruno to sleep on anything softer than stone he would remove the hearth-rug and lay on the marble his master used to instance the dog's disdain of luxury as a mark of his noble nature i should not omit to tell you as characteristic of my old friend that o'toole was proud and never would submit to be called mr meeting one day lord arne in dame street dublin while the old man was followed by his three wolf-dogs of which bruno was the last the young nobleman who had also his followers in the shape of parliament men said to the descendant of irish kings nodding to him familiarly at the same time how do you do mr o'toole the old man paused drew himself up lifted his hat made his courtly bow and answered o'toole salutes on i can recall nothing more picturesque than that majestic old gentleman and his dog both remnants of a bygone age bruno was rough but not long-coated very grave observant enduring every one very fond of children playing with them gently but only crouching and fawning on his master and that o'toole would say is a proof of my royal blood i could fill a volume with memoirs of that fine old man he was more than six feet in height and his dog always sat with his head on his master's knee this is altogether a pretty and interesting picture 
the sagacity of this fine breed is well illustrated in what follows a gentleman walking along the road on kingston hill accompanied by a friend and a noble deerhound which was also a retriever threw his glove into a ditch and having walked on for a mile sent his dog back for it after waiting for a considerable time and the dog not returning they retraced their steps hearing loud cries in the distance they hastened on and at last saw the dog dragging a boy by his coat towards them on questioning the boy it appeared that he had picked up the glove and put it into his pocket the sagacious animal had no other means of conveying it to his master than by compelling the boy to accompany him the following anecdotes are from captain thomas brown's now scarce work biographical sketches and anecdotes of dogs he says sir walter scott has most obligingly furnished me with the following anecdotes of his celebrated dog maida i was once riding over a field on which the reapers were at work the stooks being placed behind them as is usual maida having found a hare began to chase her to the great amusement of the spectators as the hare turned very often and very swiftly among the stooks at length being hard pressed she fairly bolted into one of them maida went in headlong after her and the stook began to be much agitated in various directions at length the sheaves tumbled down and the hare and the dog terrified alike at their overthrow ran different ways to the great amusement of the spectators among several peculiarities which maida possessed one was a strong aversion to a certain class of artists arising from the frequent restraint he was subjected to in having his portrait taken on account of his majestic appearance the instant he saw a pencil and paper produced he prepared to beat a retreat and if forced to remain he exhibited the strongest marks of displeasure randelson macdonnell esq of glengarry has most kindly furnished the following interesting notices and anecdotes of the scottish island greyhound not many years since one of glengarry's tenants who had some business with his chief happened to arrive at glengarry house at rather an early hour in the morning a deerhound perceiving this person sauntering about before the domestics were astir walked quietly up to him took him gently by the wrist with his teeth and proceeded to lead him off the ground the man finding him forbearing attempted resistance but the dog instantly seized his wrist with a redoubled pressure soon convincing him that his attempt was in vain thus admonished the man took the hint and quietly yielded to his canine conductor who without further injury led him to the outside of the gate and left him the whole of the dogs at Langarry house were allowed to go at liberty at all times the highland greyhounds or deerhounds as they are called in the highlands have a great antipathy to the sheep-dogs and never fail to attack them whenever an opportunity offers a shepherd whose collie had frequently been attacked by the deer-dogs of glengarry singly and always succeeded in beating them off on such occasions was one day assailed by them in a body and his life would have been in considerable danger but for one of the keepers who happened to pass at the time and called them off the following circumstance will prove the exquisite sense of smell possessed by the deerhound 
one of this breed named bran when held in the leash followed the track of a wounded stag and that in most unfavourable rainy weather for three successive days at the end of which time the game was shot he was wounded first within nine miles of invergarry house and was traced that night to the estate of glenmoriston at dusk in the evening the deer-stalkers placed a stone on each side of the last fresh print of his hoof and another over it and this they did each night following on the succeeding morning they removed the upper stone when the dog recovered the scent and the deer was that day traced over a great part of glenmoriston's ground on the third day he was retraced to the lands of glengarry and there shot my present dog kovstri to great courage unites the quality of gentle disposition with much fidelity and attachment though not so large as some of his kindred he is nevertheless as high-spirited and determined as any of his race which the following circumstance will testify about three years ago a deer from the wood of derrygarb whose previous hurts had been healed came out of glengarry's pass who wounded it severely in the body with a rifle bullet the deer-hounds were immediately laid on the blood track the stag was started in the course of a few minutes the dogs were instantly slipped and the fine animal ran to bay in a deep pool of water below a cascade on the garikulach burn comstri immediately plunged in and seized the stag by the throat both went under water surrounded with the white foam slightly tinged with the deer's blood the dog soon came to the surface to recover his breath and before the other could do so comstri dived and again seized him by the throat the stag was soon after taken out of the pool dead comstri's colour is grey with a white chest but we have had them in different colours at glengarry such as pure white black brindled and sand colour when highlanders dream of a black dog it is interpreted to mean one of the clan of macdonnell but if of a deerhound it denotes a chief or one of the principal persons of that clan that the scottish dogs were much prized in england from the earliest times the following interesting account taken from hollinshead's chronicles history of scotland page seventy one printed in fifteen eighty six will show and shortly after the return of these ambassadors into their country divers young gentlemen of the pictish nobility repaired unto king crathlint to hunt and make merry with him but when they should depart homeward perceiving that the scottish dogs did fair excel theirs both in fairness swiftness hardiness and also in long standing up and holding out they got diverse both dogs and bitches of the best kinds for breed to be given them by the scottish lords and yet not so contented they stole one belonging to the king from his keeper being more esteemed of him than all the others which he had about him the master of the leash being informed hereof pursued after them which had stolen that dog thinking indeed to have taken him from them but they not willing to part with him fell at altercation and in the end chanced to strike the master of the leash through with their horse-spears and he died presently whereupon noise and cry being raised in the country by his servants diverse of the scots as they were going home from hunting 
returned and falling upon the picts to revenge the death of their fellow there ensued a shrewd bickering betwixt them so that of the scots there died threescore gentlemen besides a great number of the commons not one of them understanding till all was done what the matter meant of the picts there were about a hundred slain this circumstance led to a bloody war betwixt the two nations the following interesting anecdote related by mr carr in his stranger in ireland there can be no doubt i think refers to the irish wolf-dog mr carr says that while on his journey to ireland he wandered to a little church which owed its elevation to the following circumstance llewellyn the great who resided near the base of snowdon had a beautiful dog named gellert which had been presented to him by king john in twelve o five one day in consequence of the faithful animal which at night always sentineled his master's bed not making his appearance in the chase llewellyn returned home very angry and met the dog covered with blood at the door of the chamber of his child upon entering it he found the bed overturned and the coverlet stained with gore he called to his boy but receiving no answer he rashly concluded that he had been killed by gellert and in his anguish instantly thrust his sword through the poor animal's body the hon robert spencer has beautifully told the remainder of the story his suppliant looks as prone he fell no pity could impart but still his gellert's dying yell passed heavy on his heart aroused by gellert's dying yell some slumber awakened nigh what words the parent's joy could tell to hear his infant's cry nor scathe had he nor harm nor dread but the same couch beneath lay a gaunt wolf all torn and dead tremendous still in death oh what was then llewellyn's pain for now the truth was clear his gallant hound the wolf had slain to save llewellyn's heir footnote see the entire poem in tomkins beauties of english poetry octodecimo eighteen forty seven end of footnote in order to mitigate his offence llewellyn built this chapel and raised a tomb to poor gellert and the spot to this day is called beth gellert or the grave of gellert i should not omit to mention that in mr windle's account of cork kerry etc there is the following notice of the wolf and irish wolf dog the last wolf seen in ireland was killed in the neighbourhood of annasquit near dingle in seventeen ten the place is still known by the name of wolf's step the irish call the wolf dog sag cleon and old campion speaking of the irish says they are not without wolves and greyhounds to hunt them bigger of bone and limb than a colt this noble animal is also described as similar in shape to a greyhound larger than a mastiff and tractable as a spaniel the following fact will serve to prove that the deerhound is possessed of a fine sense of smelling a circumstance which has been doubted by many persons the head-keeper of richmond park is possessed of a famous old deerhound bitch remarkable for her sagacity and for having taken five bucks in one day 
after a battue in the park in the winter of eighteen forty five he directed one of the underkeepers to examine the ground carefully which had been shot over the day before he was accompanied by the old dog who was to act as retriever she came to a point in one of the covers as was her custom when she seemed to find a rabbit but the keeper finding that it was a hare called her off after going some distance the dog went back and pointed the hare a second time the keeper put her up and then found that she had been wounded having had her hind leg broken here the fine sense of smell was the more remarkable as this old dog will not look at a hare nor indeed can she be induced to run after one one of her progeny ran a wounded buck into the large pond in the park swam after it killed it in the water and then seizing it by the foot swam with it to the shore having now given my reader all the information i can gather on this dog of bygone times i will gratify him with the letter i have received from a lady whose name is dear to ireland and highly placed in the ranks of english literature dear sir i am much flattered by your compliment to my national erudition a very scanty stock in my best of times and now nearly used up in furnishing forth the pages of many an idle tale worked out in the irish interest as the mouse nibbled at the lion's net the same presumption if not with the same results however i will rub up my old shanos as elizabeth said of her latin and endeavour to recollect the little i have ever known on the subject of the irish wolf-dog natural history is too much a matter of fact to have ever interested the poetic temperament of the irish schools of poetry heraldry and music were opened says the irish historians time immemorial st patrick found the academies of lismore and armagh in a flourishing condition when he arrived on his great mission and the more modern college of clonard founded in the fifth century by bishop finnan had a great reputation for its learning and learned professors but it does not appear that there was ever any chair of natural history or philosophy in these scholastic seminaries their transactions recorded the miracles of saints rather than the miracles of nature and had some daring cuvier or enterprising lyell or murchison opened those spacious cabinets once in the deep bosom of the ocean buried or entombed in mountain layers for unnumbered ages the druid priests would probably have immolated the daring naturalist under his highest oak is it quite sure that the prior of armagh or the founder of the royal academy of clonard the good saint finian himself would have served them much better certain however it is that the druids bards filias and shonikis and saints of ireland who left such mighty reputations behind them for learning have not dropped one word on the subject of the natural history of their isle of song and though they may have dabbled a little in the prosaic pursuit they probably soon discovered its perilous tendency and sang with the last and most charming of irish bards no science to you we have long bade a last and careless adieu nearly two thousand years after the foundation of the most learned academies of ireland a pretty little zoological garden was opened in the capital of the country but no living type of the irish wolf-dog is to be found there 
nor were any fossil remains of the noble animal discovered in the wicklow mines which were worked some fifty years back but which for want of capital or perseverance only furnished a few chronobane halfpence and materials for a musical farce to one of the most delightful farcical irish writers of his time for in ireland tout fini par une chanson as figaro had it of the france of his age when worst results do not follow disappointment footnotes i fear this is a sad geological anachronism however i cannot but hope that the irish wolf-dog will yet be found in some cavern associated with the prototypes of ireland's earliest heroes who peopled the land soon after it emerged from the deep great glorious and free first flower of the earth and first gem of the sea second footnote o'keefe wicklow gold mines end of footnotes the irish wolf-dog therefore it may be asserted belongs to the poetical traditions of ireland or to its remote milesian histories goma the eldest son of japhet and others the immediate posterity of noah after the dispersion of mankind at babel ventured it is said to commit themselves by ships upon the sea to search out the unknown corners of the world and thus found out a western land called ireland dr warner it is probable they were the first to disturb its tranquillity by the introduction of wolves a fragment of the menagerie of the ark for all noxious and destructive animals and reptiles were brought into ireland by her invaders the soil and clime of the woody morven however though not genial to their naturalization was long a prey to one of the most ferocious animals imported by foreign aggression to increase and multiply ireland swarmed with wolves and its colonists and aborigines would in time have alike shared the fate of little red riding hood when lo up started the noble canis familiaris hibernicus which greatly improved by a cross with the wolf itself was found everywhere in fierce antagonism with foreign ferocity and for his eminent services was not only speedily adopted by patriot kings and heroes as part of their courtly and warlike parade but sung by bards and immortalized by poets as worthy of such illustrious companionship it is thus bran the famous and beloved hound of fingal has become as immortal as his master and a track is still shown on a mountain in tyrone near newtown stuart called the track of the foot of bran the hound of fionn mccaw so much for poetry and tradition modern naturalists however in their animal biography and prosaic view of things have assigned the introduction of the wolf-dog in ireland to the danes who brought it over in their first invasion and its resemblance to le gros danois of buffon favours this supposition when ireland swarmed with wolves says pennant these dogs were confined to the chase but as soon as these animals were extirpated the number of the dogs decreased and from that period were kept chiefly for state goldsmith mentions having only seen in his time in ireland one irish wolfhound that was four feet high and though the father of the late marquis of sligo endeavoured to preserve the breed his kennels in later years exhibited but a scanty specimen 
these majestic and beautiful animals are now i believe quite extinct in ireland where their scarcity is accounted for by mr pennant as the consequence of the late king of poland having procured from thence by his agent as many as could be purchased the last notice taken of the irish wolf-dog in fictitious narrative may i believe be found in one of my own national novels o'donnell where the hero and his hound are first introduced to the reader together i borrowed the picture as i gave it from living originals which in my earliest youth struck forcibly on my imagination in the person of the celebrated archibald hamilton rowan accompanied by his irish hound bran this is all i know or can recollect of my noble and beautiful compatriot but i remember that when some writer in fraser's magazine styled me that irish she wolf-dog i felt complimented by the epithet since to attack the enemies of ireland and to worry when they could not destroy them was the peculiar attribute of the species i have the honour to be dear sir most truly yours sydney morgan william street albert gate end of the irish and highland wolf dog part two recording by noel badrian county offaly ireland